TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damien Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your lives. And today we have a very special guest all the way from the United States, uh, one of the top podcasters in the world. I'm going to let Brett introduce this fit looking man yeah he's a fit looking dude isn't he i'm pretty excited to be introducing this guy yeah <laughs> ben greenfield just does has got an amazing array of resources in terms of health in terms of fitness particularly in terms of exercise you know really is all about teaching people how to really transform their bodies and become superhuman he, he trains individuals all over the world uh, he runs the rockstar triathlete academy you'll like that damien the rockstar and uh He's got top school for learning the sport of triathlon and how to be a triathlete. He was the 2008 Personal Trainer of the Year, which is pretty impressive. In 2008, he must have been pretty young, uh, from the National Strength and Conditioning Association. And his Get Fit Guy is one of the absolute top podcasts. So we're, uh, yeah, we're coming for you, Ben. So, uh, Ben, um, yeah, welcome to the show, mate. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us how you got into, I guess, the fitness side of things and particularly, you know, what you do which is really sharing your message not just you know locally in a gym but really with the world how how did this all come about mate well first of all i wasn't that young in 2008 i mean (laughs) i'm 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 no fitness dinosaur but i was uh well i guess i was like 27 years old something like that um anyways though i got into uh the the whole health and fitness scene just being in in college and loving sports, loving every sport I could get my hands on on the face of the planet. And so I got sucked into the whole exercise science studying route uh, at at university and stuck with that all the way through uh, a bachelor's degree. Um, Ended up uh, getting accepted to some medical schools and um, not really liking the the prospect of any of the schools that I was I was kind of looking at, so I went back and got a master's degree in uh, biomechanics and nutrition, and then um, uh, at that point I started a job in in medical sales and surgical sales, and became even more disillusioned with modern medicine and decided uh, that my uh, my perception of medicine combined with what a lot of the docs that I was working with were telling me or warning me against or, you know, telling me I'd be crazy to ever go to medical school. I, I decided to, to stick with the fitness thing and stick with my passion. So I, uh, I I started managing a local gym and branched out from there and opened a bunch of gyms and, and personal training studios. And about four years ago, really got more into kind of like the dot com side of things like podcasting and blogging and trying to spread my message that way. And that's really the majority of what I do now is, is, you know, writing, coaching, I do some speaking and, um, yeah, so, so that's what I do now. And, and a lot of what I, what I currently am involved with is in endurance sports like triathlon because that's what I personally do. That's what I have a passion for is going out and um, doing the swimming and biking and running things. So I study that a lot and, and end up coaching and, and writing a lot about that specifically. So that's, it sounds fantastic. It's a great little journey there. And it's, uh, it's a journey that's obviously been backed up with a lot of uh, social consciousness and, uh, and integrity. So well done, Ben. That's, that's, uh, that's great. Ben, 
with regards to studying um, exercise fears and moving, uh, you know, further away from um, the mainstream medical model, I suppose, and you know, really focusing on the science of exercise and then going into doing what you're doing now, what are some of the things that people might be doing wrong or could do better in their exercise regimes? I know that people are going for a lot of extreme type exercise um, regimes these days before their body, I believe, is primed and they're causing injuries. What do you think that you know people are doing that's that's challenging their their health and well-being and not getting them to see the true benefit of exercise? Uh, they are thinking of exercise as exercise. That's, that's honestly like the biggest mistake that people make. They sit their asses in a chair for eight hours a day at the office and then try and mitigate that somehow by going to the gym and destroying themselves. And that's from an ancestral health standpoint, completely yeah. ludicrous. So, uh, you know, it's you have to approach fitness not as exercise, not as as this bottled up workout session that you do at the end of the day of, uh, you know, eating Franken foods, even if they they are healthy or fat free or whatever. And then and then and then going to the gym, you know, like you should you should be able to if if you if you look at things from just an overall um like an ancestral health standpoint or you look at things you know if you were to look at this maybe from a more modern perspective from like a farmer rancher standpoint or from a hunter gatherer standpoint you should be able to arrange your work day so that you can do things like stay on your feet much of the day so that you can for every 25 minutes that you're that you're working get up and get around for five minutes um you know you can install a pull-up bar in the door of your office and do a few pull-ups every time you walk under the door or you know have something heavy in your office that you could lift a few times a day but basically you set things up so that even when living in an industrialized modern environment you can still almost like trick your body into into thinking that it's hunting and and gathering all day long if you do that you don't have to go to the gym at all you can you can be completely ripped and fit and have a healthy heart without stepping foot in a gym if you do that stuff. The only reason to go to the gym at that point would be if you want to do sports or you want to like go run a marathon or, you know, get get a faster tennis serve or something like that. But, you know, that's the biggest mistake that people make is thinking that that exercise is somehow this bottled up workout that you got to go to the gym and do when in fact you have to approach things, first of all, from a big picture perspective as, as as movement, physical movement spread throughout the day. You do that and you're going to be set for life in terms of staying fit. Love Great it. advice. Love I it. love that. I love that. How, could, ben, could you expand on that a little bit? Um, for those people who just say they, we got listeners, I mean, we've got extreme listeners too. I mean, people who are just starting out on exercise and people who've been doing, uh, you know, ultra marathons and stuff. But let's let's tackle the people who are just starting exercise or just thinking about it, right? They have this mindset of, all right, I need to exercise. I love the concept of you just adding, you know, your exercise as part of your life rather than just a a part-time portion of your life. So can you give like maybe three or five things that if someone who's a, who sits in their job uh, in an office, you already gave a couple there, but what are five areas or ideas that you can give to them in a daily life that they should do and implement in their office or at home to make sure they actually hit and target it so that they can actually make exercise as part of the daily life routine? Um, you know, I'd, 
I, I don't really, really think we should think of it as making exercise a part of the daily routine as much as making cellular activity a part of the daily routine. What I mean by that is, is activating cellular metabolism, whether it be through exercise or, or food choices or anything else. Mm-hmm. So um, based off of that, a few of the things that I would do is, is, first of all, our body needs to be put in a state where it gets a little bit uncomfortable sometimes and has to work to restore what's called homeostasis, which means your, your body kind of restoring itself to, to a normal set point. One way that I really like to do that with the with the people that I, I coach and, and work with and advise is via exposure to fluctuations in temperature, meaning that throughout the week you should have a few periods of time where you're getting pretty sweaty, whether that means stepping into a sauna or stepping into a spa um, or, or something of that nature. And you should also, and I do this every single day, expose yourself to like icy cold showers or some kind of like a cold outdoors workout or something that makes your body have to, have to work to restore temperature. So that's one thing that, that I really like is, is temperature fluctuations. And, and for me, it's as simple as a cold shower every morning. Um, another thing is posture. Most people have completely crappy posture. And the fact is that you can get a kick butt, you know, quote unquote workout by simply setting your computer on a standing workstation and trying to work for an hour while engaging in perfect posture and deep breathing. Just try, you'd be, if you, if you, if you have poor posture, you'll be exhausted by the end of an hour of doing that. And a, a lot of people just let all these tiny little core muscles deactivate during the day by engaging in shallow breathing and poor posture. So, so sitting up straight, breathing from, from deep within the belly, that's another one um, in addition to temperature fluctuations that can, that can get you fit, um, you know, without necessarily going and doing a, a structured workout. Um, another thing, and, and I, I kind of hinted at this, I like the concept of doing um, what's called greasing the groove. I didn't coin that term. It was coined by a guy named Pavel Zetzalini, uh, who, who, who trains like a bunch of Russian fighters and stuff like that. But his whole concept is that a few times during the day, you just engage in certain exercises. So, for example, I personally do 50 pull-ups a day. And the way that I do that is I have a pull-up bar installed in, installed in the door of my office, and I do three to five bodyweight pull-ups. I started with one and couldn't even do one very well. Now I do three to five bodyweight pull-ups every time I walk under that bar, and that's just like my rule. So, you know, even if I don't, you know, go and do a gym workout or something by the end of the day, I'm really not losing any upper body muscle because I'm triggering that muscle all throughout yeah. the day. Yeah, right. So it's like a gym muscle um, mistletoe. <laughs> I'm going to get one of those yeah. in my practice. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah I can ah. see you doing it now, Brent. <laughs> He's building it as we speak. It. I've already yeah, got one in the lounge room at home, but I reckon I could add one to the practice now too. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 other thing, um, the other thing I really like in addition to the pull-ups is bridging. Like whether you do just like a lying on your back and thrusting your hips up towards the ceiling or, or if you're you know, if you're a little bit more flexible, like a full bridge, that really opens up your hips during the day. And it's another great way to just kind of detox the body a little bit and uh, get some blood flow back up to the head, that type of thing. And it's, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, pe- people might think this is kind of weird, but I actually have an inversion table in my garage and I go out and hang on the inversion table a couple times a day. I'm not proposing that you that you'd go that, that far out. But, you know, again, little things throughout the day that just keep you on top of things without going to the gym. Um trying to think if there's any yeah probably the last thing i'd I'd say would be like working mobility work in 
um, like I keep a golf ball underneath my desk. And when I'm sitting and I'm doing something like this podcast, I'll be rolling a golf ball back and forth underneath my foot just to massage a lot of those tiny little muscles in the feet and to get the feet strong. And a, a really good way to see if your feet are really as strong as they should be is put a golf ball underneath each foot. And if you could stand on the golf ball, like one golf ball under each foot, Mm-hmm. You're going to have pretty much like bulletproof feet. And it also has some pretty big implications for stuff like plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis and stuff like that in runners. And a lot and of people also, just have, know, balance have bad and, Balance feet. and stress and all those sorts of things. That would yeah. be fantastic for all that. That's great. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you'll also – like if you can do that, you can straight up make the whole transition into barefoot running or minimalist shoes or V-brooms or whatever really easily and kind of kind of get past you know the whole problem with the with the overbuilt you know overpriced shoes people wear these days so you know those those are a few examples of just little things you can do um things that things that I do during the day um that I you know they aren't working out but those are the things that you do to to stay fit without really working out yeah mm, i love awesome. this stuff ben you you're speaking my language mate barefoot running and chin ups and uh, and i'm a big fan of that bridge at the moment i think so many people in our society just spend so much time sitting uh, that they're really getting those really tight hip flexors and just you know not functioning as well as they should um ben one of the things you've spoken about obviously is doing a lot of stuff with tri and um, you know, I guess you've spoken a bit about the ancestral health sort of world as well. And and you know, it seems that in some parts of that world, that you know, doing longer cardio exercise is almost a bit of a no-no, a bit of a you know, it's kind of not on. It's to be avoided at all costs. You know, how do you find that balance between, I guess, doing the more strength stuff and doing more the longer-term cardio stuff as well? The longer-term cardio stuff is way way overrated. I mean, like humans are really good at cardio. We can we can outrun just about any animal on the face of the planet. And, you know, persistence hunting, um, doing things like tracking down animals, you know, point, point you point a human in, in one direction and tell them to go and they're going to outlast just about, you know, any creature that exists. But what we suck at is speed and power and strength and What I've found in my own program as well as the program of the athletes that I work with is if we emphasize speed and power and strength and some of these other lifestyle parameters that I just got done talking about, you don't need very much long cardio at all. Like my Ironman triathletes, their their long run is 90 minutes and their workout week is 8 to 10 hours in contrast to 20 to 30 hours for the average Ironman triathlete and these long – these long weekend death marches of like two to three hours. Yeah. And, you know, my, my athletes go out there and, and kick the butts of these folks who are, who are doing, you, you know, That's an awesome. un, unlimited number of hours and, and sacrificing their life. Like their I want to do your one. I want to do your program. That sounds yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That sounds uh, and, great. And, like you still got to go to the pain cave. I mean, it. You know, <laughs> Brent you, goes there every night. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like you know, whereas an average Ironman triathlete might go out four times a week during their lunch hour and run an hour at a steady state, and then do like a whatever a two-hour run on the weekends. Um, I'll have an athlete do a ninety-minute run on the weekends, and then two really really hard twenty-minute treadmill sessions. Mm. during during a weekday but those are hard sessions i mean we're talking yeah. about like putting putting the treadmill on a 10 percent incline running at a at a maximum sustainable pace for 30 seconds 
doing full recovery and doing that 10 times through and that's your mm-hmm. workout nice. and you do you do have to have a little bit more of, of kind of a mental motivation to to get psyched up for a workout like that but ultimately to me like the trade-off having twice as much time or three times more time to spend with your kids or whatever learn a musical instrument cook um hang out with your your spouse or your, your significant other um you know spend time in your career making money so you can enjoy life i mean like all those benefits, I, I think, are are um, motivating enough to be able to push yourself a little bit harder and just go for a shorter period of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that, Ben. And, and that actually sounds quite similar to how I prepared for an ultra marathon I did a couple of years ago with, with a lot more functional training and a lot less of the long cardio stuff. So I think that's great. Um, now, Ben, you mentioned before you were talking about uh, humans, I guess, being really good at the sort of longer cardio stuff and not so good at the power stuff. Um how much of that do you think is just genetics, just you know, human capabilities, and how much of that is actually training and conditioning based on our lifestyles? A big, big part of it is genetics, um, it, you, you know, and it's based off of the fact that um, you know our, our ancestors spent much of their time as as nomads and hunter gatherers and persistence hunters and and farmers and we simply are hardwired from a mitochondrial standpoint to be able to utilize fats specifically fats um carbohydrates to a less a lesser extent to create atp as energy really efficiently throughout the day and you know, most even even like babies, human babies are going to burn ketones or fatty acids really efficiently as a fuel, and that allows a, a human being who has grown up, you know, spending a little bit of time on their feet to be able to to go for long, long periods of time without a lot of training. Probably one of the best resources I could point you to, you know, we could spend a full hour digging in, into the same stuff that this guy gets into in his book is uh, Tim Noakes, a South African exercise physiologist. He wrote a really excellent book that is n- not about training per se. It's about hydration. But that book has one of the better explanations I've ever seen in terms of our uh, genetic ancestry and the way that humans um, are built to withstand things like heat and long periods of time spent on our feet. Uh, that book is called Waterlogged, but a big, big part of it is genetics. Um, and I, I, I don't, I don't really think much of it at all is training, because um, you know, I, I personally ended up accidentally standing on the starting line of my first Ironman just not having done all the training that I that I should have done woefully mm. undertrained and I I beat almost the entire field and wow. I thought may I thought maybe I was an n equals 1 but then I started you know selling training plans and programs and books and coaching and and using the same approach that I used and and lo and behold all you know happened to all these other people too so um mm. You know, it's I, I think a big, big part of it is genetics. And the hard part is you got to trust your body, right? If you've never run 26.2 miles and you've never ridden your bike 112 miles and you've never swam 2.4 miles and you're on the starting line of an Ironman triathlon, you have to you have to believe in your training. You have to believe in your body because you're you're about to face an unknown of being out there and exercising for for 10 hours. But what you find is that you just keep going and going and going as long as you gave your body that that power and that strength and that speed that it needs during training to be able to handle some of the mental rigors that you face out there and withstand you know the the joint pounding and that type of thing, but the endurance is inherently there, and um, 
you know, most people overtrain, they overwork, they arrive at the starting line of triathlon, um, hormonally depleted and full of inflammation and just messed up. And, uh, it's, it's a much, much better scenario to arrive fresh. Absolutely. It makes a whole lot of sense. Um, Ben, this is going to be a little bit of a, it won't be a long question, but it's got a couple of stories in it. I used to run a weight loss program in New Zealand and had a lot of people say, oh my gosh, I'm, I've decreased my carbs. I can't do um, a long walk anymore. What can I take on my long walk? And I'm going, how long do you walk? And they'll say, oh, it's 90 minutes. And I'm going, oh, look, I'm pretty sure you could walk for 90 minutes without needing some fuel. And, and that would do their head in. And then, I'd, you know, let's expand that a little bit. And then there's people that go, oh, I'm doing a, a really big event this weekend. I'm going for a jog for 15 minutes. 15 kilometers and uh, i'm going to need to fuel up afterwards because my trainer said that i've got to keep my carbohydrates and my food up otherwise you know i might die and then um, there's a whole lot of other people too that go and do the the ironman events and they go i've got to have all these super gels and superfoods and not superfoods because superfoods would be good but super gels and (laughs) um and just you know rubbish and crap and blah, 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 stuff they've got to chuck on their bike to refuel themselves um, because they feel like they're going to run out of energy. But you've just said that you can you know, burn ketones efficiently and burn through your fat and get through all that sort of stuff appropriately. Um, what sort of advice do you give to people when they're facing an event with regards to nutrition? Pre- and post-workout nutrition is way, way overrated. And it's it's just ludicrous for somebody who's still burping up their pre-workout meal <laughs> who has a <laughs> I'm so of, glad you said that, man. That's oh, good, isn't it? A so bunch good. of am- amino acids and 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 blood glucose circulating in their bloodstream and you know from whatever, from that protein shake or smoothie or bar they had before their workout, and then they finish up their workout and the first thing they're looking for is something to stuff in their face, you know, digging through their gym bag for that bar that their trainer told them they had to eat to hit that magical 20-minute window. And it's ludicrous. And the reason why is that all of the training – or um, not all the training, all the uh, the research that shows post-workout nutrition to be beneficial was done in subjects who were doing their workouts in a fasted state. And there was recently a study that went and looked at people who actually had a pre-workout meal. And lo and behold, post-workout carbohydrate and protein consumption did them no good because they they had, they had already eaten. So the the rule that you got to look at is the body can go about 2 hours or so on its own stores of of glycogen. It can go slightly longer than that on you know proteins and amino acids and things of that nature. But ultimately unless you're working out for for that period of time you don't have to worry about post-workout nutrition. You don't have to worry about during workout nutrition at all unless you're starting that workout in a fasted state, unless you're rolling out of bed in the morning, you know, having not eaten for eight hours and, and heading out for whatever, you know, a 90-minute routine or something like that. Now, um, let's say that you are falling into that scenario. You're working out fasted or you're working out for more than two hours or something along those lines. That's when you know you, you can eat. But again, you don't have to eat carbohydrates. You know, For example, um, if I'm going out for a long workout, I like to use real food. I like to use chia seed, flax seed, um, almonds, pumpkin seeds. There's these little gel flasks called uh, Justin's Nut Butter. There's another one called uh, called <laughs> Pocket excellent. Fuel Good. that are just like you know almond butter that that come you know same thing as a gel pack except it's almond butter. Sounds um, right. 
I like to mix up some medium chain triglyceride oil um, with this stuff called super starch, which is a really, really slow release carbohydrate in a flask. I'll take that out with me. I use uh, chewable uh, essential amino acids, but uh, you know, I, I used to be sponsored um, by by goo the gel company and so I had like a garage full of gels and and don't get me wrong you can you can power through workouts really really well on that stuff but it's better from a long-term health standpoint and from an insulin sensitivity standpoint uh, to keep yourself in more of a fat burning state so what I tell people is if, if you're gonna eat you only need to eat during the workouts that you're doing fasted or during the workouts that are longer than two hours and if you do eat you don't have to eat gels you can eat fats and you can eat amino acids wow that's fascinating um it's loving loving this whole podcast ben one of the things that i know you you're a great coach and uh, one of the things that obviously great coach would would look at uh, with anybody is the mindset you know what are some of the things that stop people from doing the things that you recommend and how do you get them to overcome it because most people i know will always throw in some their excuses or whatever that's going to stop them from you know, whatever they'd want to try to get accomplished. How do you teach them to overcome that mindset? Well, you know, they, uh, they, they did an interesting study at NASA and this was a few years ago where they, they gave, I believe there were astronauts in training, special goggles that turned everything in their world upside down. Mm, I remember that. And then they met, then they measured their blood pressure and their heart rate and all their, their sympathetic nervous system responses, you know, their fight or flight, you know, something's gone terribly wrong in my world type of responses. And it, it took about 28 to 30 days for those responses, those those natural fight or flight, uncomfortable responses to begin to stabilize and for those individuals to begin to get used to the new the new lenses that they were seeing the world through. And so that's one thing that's really, really important for people when they make a dietary change or a lifestyle change or an exercise change is they need um, they, they need to realize, first of all, that it's going to be a good three to four weeks of a little bit of discomfort and a little bit of, of you know, a barrier to overcome mentally and physically in order to make that change a permanent part of their lifestyle. And if they know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that helps tremendously. The other thing that helps tremendously is simply having accountability. So I really, really like to encourage people to start a blog and to every day write something that other people can see. If that's embarrassing, you can just write for yourself in like a diary. But keeping track of how you feel on a day-to-day basis and being able to write it down and vent on paper or vent you know, on the internet is a really good way to keep yourself motivated and keep yourself in the game and get you through those first few weeks of making a change. Um, and then having someone to, to help you along, whether it be joining a tribe, um, you know, that's one of the reasons I, I think there are problems with something like CrossFit. But one of the cool things about, you know, a sport like CrossFit is you've got like a tribe that you're automatically a member of when you go and join a, you know, CrossFit box or something like that. And, you know, you see a lot of those folks staying with workouts um, longer, assuming they don't destroy their shoulders or their knees doing stupid workouts. Um, but you know, ultimately have, having a tribe or, or having a group that you can join up with, um, having someone there like a trainer or even a mentor or, you know, even something as simple as, you know, tons of trainers nowadays, you know, like myself included, we have, a, we have Facebook pages where there are communities built around Facebook pages, but having other people that you can say, Hey, this is hard. How are you guys dealing with this? And having not only peers, but also mentors 
mentors to be able to get you through those tough times is also really, really important. And then the last part is just believing. You have to believe in the program. You know, like I say, you got to stand at the starting line of an Ironman triathlon or your own personal Mount Everest, whatever that might be for you. And you have to put trust in your body. It's an amazing, amazing machine. Once trained, it's capable of enormous feats. And if you believe in your body, in its ability to overcome, in its ability to be trained, in its ability to learn new skills, learn new habits, unlearn old habits, and you and you really approach your body as something that's not broken, but that's something that this, that's an enormously capable machine, it really helps you push through those tough times. Just believing in yourself and knowing that that you really are an extremely impressive and intricately tuned machine. So those are some of the recommendations I would give to folks. Ben, thank, that's awesome advice. Thank you so much. I think a lot of people are going to get, you know, just amazing insights from that. Just be able to help them, right, you know, too. just break through their, their pain thresholds or just even break through their mind thresholds that stop them from doing the things that they need to get done. Ben, mm-hmm. so thank you so much for everything you uh, have uh, sh- shared with us on this podcast. If you want to know more about uh, Ben, go to his website. That's bengreenfieldfitness.com. Uh, there's tons of videos and products and, and, and just tons of information there. I think he's voted uh, as number one web's top source for fitness tips, so there's tons there. Uh, his podcast is up to, I think, 230-someone episodes or something like that, so we're catching up. Wow. We're catching up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he's just going to continue, of course. So uh, we'd love to have you in Australia sometime, but Ben, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Hey, thanks, guys. That was fun. Guys, if you uh, love to hear more from uh, you know the information like Ben, go to thewellnesscouch.com. Leave your comments below this particular episode and tell us what you think about Ben. But also go to Facebook and join the conversation there and tell us some of your fitness challenges and some of the things that you you know that you do on a daily basis to make sure you get fit uh, and as always go to itunes sign up and subscribe to our uh, wellness, wellness guys feed and more importantly give us a five-star rating if we deserve it until next week begin creating wellness into your lives lead by example and let's change the world's health together join us next week on the wellness guy show this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Damien Christoph from 100 Not Out here. You know that your health is a direct reflection of your peer group, right? So have you thought about bringing a group of people to our Melbourne Wellness Summit? your colleagues, your friends, or your family. We've got great packages for 10 or more people to the summit, which will be held at Crown in Melbourne on Saturday, August 17. It's going to be 10 hours of powerhouse wellness featuring my Wellness Guys teammates, of course, the Up For A Chat girls, world-class exhibits, and loads more. For group discounts and to secure your spot, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com.